Okay, so last time we started discussing the myths of tzitzis, and we discussed how tzitzis is a marking, marking of uh, just like a servant, a slave, wears his master's insignia on his shirt. <coughs> it identifies him who he is. We, the, we, in everything that we do in our Avodos Hashem, we are uh, representatives of Hashem. We are... We are um, carrying out, we're expressing ourselves, right, through the vehicles um, of our personality attributes, our traits, right? Um, and we said that that is represented as clothing. Uh, that's in uh, Osvav over here. We're about in the middle of Osvav. So, again, person does many different things, right? But uh, hopefully every time uh, he is perceived not directly, that would be a lack of sneeze, right? But rather through his clothing, meaning I express myself through my clothing, right? Um, so, so all of my expressions have to carry the insignia of this is a person who is a servant of Hashem. Right? That's, that's what we spoke about last time. Now, today we're going to add um, another point, which is <coughs> being that this represents us being of the Hashem, so that should mean, so far we discussed just regular clothing. Every day you go around, you're wearing clothing, right? So, not just our... Um, Actions should be fixed. Even our clothing should should be should be a mitzvah. Should be in one way or another connecting us to Hashem. Because our clothing is our fundamental expression. When I express myself in the world, the first thing that somebody can see is my clothing. The first thing I want someone to see is my tzitzis. First thing I want to see about myself is my tzitzis. Right? What's that? Tzitzis themselves. So the tzitzis changes the clothing. Really, it means to say it redefines the clothing. Uh, Really, what I'm wearing is the clothing. But the clothing that has the tzitzis coming off of it, so the tzitzis define the clothing as being the clothing of a servant of Hashem. Yeah. Which is why, yeah, I mean, I, kind of an ideal world if we were living in a Jewish country, and a truly Jewish country, not just the modern state of Israel, is we'd be wearing, you know, four-cornered garments that all of them would have tzitzis on them, right? So that's that's what your clothing, that's how your clothing is, right? So we live in a world where, interestingly enough, most of the clothing happens to be um, lacking four corners. So then we would, you know, <laughs> we would almost end up being without tzitzis altogether, except for the fact that we don't want to do that, we don't want to lose our insignia, right? So, so we will make sure to wear at least one article of clothing throughout the day, right? The, otherwise known as the talus cotton, the small talus that we wear uh, throughout the course of the day, so that we should have at least one garment that has the king's insignia. Okay. Where does it keep uh, coming to play with that? Any at all? In terms of clothing, garments. It insignia. is a clothing. Um, it's not so much insignia because yeah, we think of a kippa as like you know something that's like covers about a you know about 
50% of your head, it's around, it's back here, you know, but technically it could be a baseball cap, it could be a, you know, it could be a sombrero, it could be, right? Uh, could be a, a bandana, right? right? The person is for sure making a statement by wearing one. Which one? The bandana or a keeper? Probably not a bandana. I mean, a person is making their own statement with a bandana or a sombrero, but I mean, a keeper is making its own unique Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm saying, so So there's two different things. First, we need to understand what is the concept of covering the hair altogether, which is something we see in the Talmud as a Midas Hasidus that the Talmud HaChamim would do, only Talmud HaChamim, Regular people did not cover their hair. Really? Yeah. Okay. And then over time, the rest of the Jewish people took it out as well. <laughs> By now it's become a very strong minhag. Um, <clears throat> and then there's you know, all the other things that, well, you, have, you wear the, the distinctive type of a head covering the Jews tend to wear, right, which nowadays might look something like this, right? So then... You know, what is that? What does that say? Okay, that's already like a. There's not transforming three. anything. I'm saying. Like that's not a mitzvah. To wear a particular kippa, it's 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 a, it's a good thing. It's a nice thing to identify with good wear. Tzitzis is a mitzvah midaraisa. Is is kippa derabanan at all? Or no? So kippa. When you say kippa, I'm going to redefine it as a head, head covering. covering. Okay. A head covering is a machlekes. Machlekes, achronum, ranging from... I mean, clearly, there's no mitzvah in Torah to have a head cover. That's clear. The question is if it's a minhag only, but a minhag that the entire Jewish people accepted, and therefore it's absolutely binding. Yeah? Or, maybe it's even more than that, Ramoshi Feinstein wants to say that now that we live amongst non-Jews, and the non-Jews uh, do not cover their head, um, indoors or in the presence of someone important or whatever it is. So, Moshe Feinstein says it's... I'm trying to remember if it's a Taz also. Maybe based on a Taz. If it's a Chukas HaGoyim to have your head uncovered and therefore it would be an Isra Deraisa to go with a, with a head uncovered. Not because it's a Mitzvah say to have your head covered but it's with the Raisa to, to behave in that way like a goy. Okay. Anyway, but that's, that's a side point. Um, so, so again, so we've got, we've got the, the, the fact that all of my expressions into the world, which are the clothing, the begodim, should have the stamp of the king on them. Now, we, and that's just regular clothing, the clothing you wear throughout the, throughout the whole day. Now he adds... That being that, this is a way for me to grasp and see. I mean, every mitzvah that I do really is another detail of saying I'm a servant of Hashem. And this mitzvah says I'm a servant of Hashem, right? So therefore, that explains why the Gemara Menachah says that seeing the tzitzis reminds a person of all the mitzvahs. Because what it reminds you of is you're, you're a servant of Hashem. Like the Gemara says, that the blue in the trails reminds you of the the chilazon lives in the sea, which is blue, it's the same color as the chilazon, so as the shell of the chilazon, so uh, it reminds you of the sea, which reminds you of the sky, which reminds you of the sapphire divine throne, reminds you of the kingship of Hashem. So uh, so by seeing the the tzitzis, specifically the, the, the blue and the white, 
that reminds you of the of the kingship of Hashem, and that reminds you of all the mitzvahs. Okay, so. That's uh, so, so, so. That's the mechanism. How it reminds you because it reminds you that you're uh, Hashem is king and you're a servant. Okay. Point two. Being that uh, the tzitzis is a way to so to speak grab onto the concept that Hashem is my king, that I'm a servant of Hashem. Yeah. So therefore, the rabbis made this concept that during prayer to have a talz god, a specific. To, to be marked to daven with a with a talus right so that you connect very much to the idea of being a servant of Hashem and that will be a part of your kabol sol the acceptance of the divine yoke of kingship good point so the trick is that very good point trick is that tzitzis, when you say tzitzis, you mean talus cotton, right? So talus cotton being that it is a garment that is covered over with other garments, so it's not as readily uh, noticeable as a talus gadol, which is... Oh, so, but even, but so, yeah... Many of the Hasidim do wear their towels cotton on top of their shirt. However, I believe most of them try to wear a garment over it, such as a vest or a jacket or a uh, bekisha or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that and that's uh, there's reasons for that. One has to do it with a more inner, more personal manifestation of. Service to Hashem is more external, right? So, so the point is that for the moments of of tefillah, you want the outermost garment, most revealed, the most completely engulfing and surrounding you to be one with sisters. So that's why we wrap it. Philip, don't feel bad. Kind of, you know, unmarried guys do not wear it on gadol, but with time, and, and there's a reason for it. The reason is because they're not yet on that level. To you know, it, it, it says something about a, being marriage. Uh, those that we just started the marriage about this past Sunday. So, because in the concept of being makabel all isha, accepting by oneself the yoke of a wife, that has to do with the acceptance of the yoke of kingship of Hashem. Only a person that is, uh, has accepted the one can kind of. Is appropriate to wear the talus gadol by, by Ashkenazim. By Sephardim, it's not like that, but by Ashkenazim, that's our method. Okay, what do you want to say? That's why we wrap the talus gadol around ourselves. It's the outermost garment. That's the one that, that's gonna um, kind of totally absorb me. I'm gonna be completely absorbed and surrounded. With the king of Hashem. Right, so I'm saying that way before we actually like treat it over the shoulders, while we wrap it around our head. Not the head, not the head, the shoulders. Right, but I mean, it's like you're covering almost your head in the process. You're wrapping around the entire upper part of your body. Yeah, you can make sure to get the shoulders. A lot of people make the mistake that when they wrap themselves with the towels, they end up just wrapping their head. (laughs) Right. Um, Because if you wrap your head with the towels, 
right? So that, that's called a hat. Right. And a hat is exempt from tzitzis. So you're actually making interruption between making the blessing on the towels and then putting on the towels. You made the blessing on the towels, then you wrapped it as a hat, which means that it's currently not a towel that's exempt from the mitzvah of scissors, and then afterwards you put it on you. So that's not good, right? right. Now, the, there are those that follow the opinion of the Banishai, that he understands, according to Kabbalistic reasons, to just do that. That's your minhag, okay? Um, but it, everybody else disagrees with that. Um, in halacha from up on top all the way down to the bottom and understand those Kabbalistic sources so unless you're a someone who comes from Iraq that's not what you should be doing yeah? so when you wrap yourself with a towel's gunnel make sure to get the shoulders in mm-hmm. side point it could be around the neck the head you could get some somewhere else but you gotta get the shoulders in there in that first you know like the thing where people wrap yourself yeah okay and there's a little bit of side point uh, Yosef is uh, taking some interesting details today we've already talked about keepers we've talked about um, wrapping in garment but, yeah, but let's but all related all somehow related or another yeah okay that gets us to Oz Zayn. Oz Zayn is tefillin. So tefillin, the Ramchal says, is a much, 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 much higher level of Kedusha than is Tzitzis. Obviously, um, Tzitzis, and this is something also, you know, I'll take this opportunity to publicize this, right? Um, tzitzis is a mitzvah. Yeah? Um, tefillin is a Dabashiv Kedusha. There's a very big difference. Davashil shall mitzvah and Davashil kedusha. Okay? So, for example, a lulav, neser, those are mitzvahs. Yeah? So, when you're done with them, right? So, the Gemara says, after they would be finished using the esrog, you have to know on which day, so it shouldn't be mukta, etc., how you do it, but you, they would eat the esrogim. Right? Or if you don't want to eat it, technically, you could throw it in the garbage. Once you're done doing a mitzvah, then as long as it doesn't carry a bizion with a certain you know, show of disdain, that's why you don't do that. You don't throw them in the garbage, right? But they certainly do not need geese, that's for sure. Right? They just need a respectable way to dispose of them. Whereas the Dover Shibikidusha is, say, for Torah, Mezuzah, and film. Those are things that actually have Kedusha in them. Yeah? That's a completely different thing than never show this. So, um, and people always ask, like, oh, you know, I have this little, little piece of string this big that tore off from my tzitzis. Where, where is the Gnizah? Where can I find the Gnizah to put this piece of tzitzis? Right? So, it doesn't need Gnizah. It has to be disposed of in a respectable way. Um, so, anyway, but film is a whole different story. Okay, it's it's never should be kedusha. So, which means it actually brings kedusha into the person. Um, the <clears throat> the two main places that we have of connecting to Hashem 
is the mind and the heart. And the reason is, the mind is the loftiest part, and the heart is the central point. The center is what brings everything together, is what gives life to the whole thing. And the mind is the loftiest part. So in two ways, kind of the, the two kings over the person, the two greatest things in the person. Um, so those are going to be the two portals, the two places of entry for Kedusha into the person. Um, so that's why obviously there's a Tilishal Rosh and Tilishal Yad. Now, the Tilishal Rosh are a higher Kedusha than Tilishal Yad. Um, that's why they actually, Tilishal Rosh actually have um, a letter of the divine name actually in the outside of the boxes. It's actually in the outside of the boxes. Shoyad does not have anything on the outside of the boxes. Um, tfilm, so the way that the Ramchal describes it is that the Kedusha flows into the Tzvul Sharosh, which goes into the mind of the person. Um, and once, and then, and then after that happens, then uh, it goes to the heart through the film Shoyat. Okay. Now, important caveat that Ramchal doesn't speak this out, but uh, the film are not meakim zuzu. Means you can be mekayim. You can be without person stuck for whatever reason. He only has Rosh, and just put on Yeah. So, but wait a second. But we just described that there is a flow of kedusha into the mind. Then that spills over into you know, then that moves over into Yad, It goes into the heart. There's a process, right? So, so, so you now you don't have a Rosh, So. What's going to happen, right? So the answer is, these are ways to augment what our mind and our heart are already anyway doing. The person should always be going around in a state of consciousness, of being connected to Hashem, being in the presence of Hashem. The person should always be in a state of Ahavas Hashem, right? The question is, to what extent? So, you know, wearing social robes, wearing social yeah, that enhances it, but... But being that we anyway have those abilities, right? So uh, it's not really cool, the one versus the other. Okay, so you could, you could wear one without the other. Um, okay, that's true. Um, now, how come we don't wear tilm on? Shabbos and Yom Tov. So the Gemara, what? Oh, good. So the Gemara learns it out from the word Os, that the Tefillin are an Os, are a sign for us, right? So uh, there are ways. So Shabbos, which is also an Os, for Shabbos we learned the Yom Tov as well. So you already have an Os, so you don't need the Os. In fact, not only do you not need the Os. But uh, in the Zohar it says that it's a uh, 
that it's like an insult to the Shabbos and the Yom Tov to be wearing tefillin because to a certain extent you're like saying that Shabbos and Yom Tov is not doing that which in fact the Ramchal here says that they do it much, 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 much more so are not helping you connect to those to those kedushas. To the level of Shabbos and Yom Tov. I mean, Shabbos and Yom Tov already help our mind and our heart connect to that very high level of Kedusha, much, much, much higher than anything Tefillin can do. <laughs> so therefore, it's an insult to, to Shabbos to be wearing Tefillin on Shabbos. It's like um, you know, you're in the presence of like a super important person and you're like playing a video game because like you're bored like, what you don't find me engaging you know like this is a yeah so Shabbos Shabbos is so much greater than film right so wearing film and Shabbos you're saying that like it's not you're denying Shabbos basically okay so it's a great insult okay um and he does not go into it over here, of course, but that from here is born the huge Machlekes, um, starting all the way from the Rishonim down to nowadays about whether one does or does not wear tefillin during Kol Hamoed, during the intermediary days of Yom Tov, right? So, um, so the question is, I mean, the essential question about those days is, are, do those days have an os to them or not? Is there simple? Is there, is there, is there a connection? Uh, is there something that is so palpable, so clear, that connects us so much to Hashem, that one does not need film, in fact, will be an insult, or not? So, kind of an easy way to remember it is, it's called Chol HaMoed, which is an oxymoron. Chol means profane, Moed means uh, time of, uh, point of appointed times of, of coming close to Hashem. So which one is it? Is it a Chol or, or is it a Moed? Right? So depending on which way you think more, if you think it's more of a Moed, so you don't wear Tfilm. Not you personally, but the, from your shoulder. And if you think it's more of a hole, then you do it. So that's a little bit of a side point again, but an important one. Okay. So now we're going in. Say again. You said the difference between Alubav and Esra versus Tefillin is that Tefillin is a double of Kedusha rather than a double Mitzvah. Right. But anytime we talked about the Kedusha, you described it as the flow that's going into the head or the arm. Right. So I guess what I'm asking is, is the Kedusha in that, I don't think it's the wrong way, Kabbalistic flow? Or is the Kedusha in the fact that it says Shem Hashem in the bot itself? The, so the kedusha is just the shame of Hashem, correct? Well, it's both. I mean, the shame of Hashem. If you think about it, what is the what is the, the shame of Hashem being written here on, on you know in ink on parchment? Yeah, but when I lift right. the Sefer Torah, 
They don't say there's some flow from the Torah. Why do Hagbah? There's not some flow coming down into it, is there? I mean, the Shem Hashem doesn't create like, an ele- like a lightning bolt. Right? Uh, you know, otherwise, when I come, if I held a safer, uh, a sitter, it would also, it would also bring a flow. Right, so holding, holding it doesn't do that. Similar to holding film in your hand also won't do that. Right? But, but it's engaging in a meaningful way with that Shem Hashem that does that. So with a safer Torah, what does it is when you read it. When you read that Shem Hashem written in that Sefer Torah, you're absolutely getting a, uh, getting a flow of kedusha. And with the, and with the tefillin, get you know, if you were to strap them onto your chest, right? That wouldn't do it, right? Then why does it maintain that status of kedusha? Once it's off my arm, that flow is gone because it has that potential. The potential. Yeah, just like a Sefer Torah that you're not reading still has a kedusha. But the reason why Hashem put it into this world is not so that should sit there and have this kedusha, right? right. Is that is that we should be able to draw through it kedusha into ourselves? Okay. So now we're getting into tefillah. This is like the awesome. I mean, it's all awesome, but this is one of my favorite pieces. Um, we do it. You know, three times a day, hopefully. Um, sometimes four, and rarely even five times a day. Right. Um, so important to know what Tefillah is doing. So Ost Tess. So here he says Tefillah is really comprised of two parts. We're going to see soon that the first part of the two parts that he says is really itself comprised of three parts. Okay. Um, but the two basic parts are to stand everything up and then okay, so I'll explain uh, as, a, as a marshal an analogy would be um, you know if you want to get water to your house Right, so you have to set up a, a pipe system flowing from a water source which is located higher than your house to your house, and all the pipes in between all slanted downwards. Right, that's how water flows to your house. So that's what aqueducts are for. Um, so. Um, There's two parts to it. There's one setting up of the pipes, right? And there's two is then the water, then actually the water flowing. Okay? Uh, the setting up of the pipes, so imagine a system where you have some some of the parts of the aqueducts are built, some are built, but they have, you know, I don't know, gates on them that are closed, valves, right? Whatever it is, some of the pipes are broken, they have cracks in them, the water will just leak out, etc. So you have to go through all the stages of the pipes, check, basically ensure that all the pipes are intact from your house all the way up to the water source, right? And then pull the lever and the water goes. Okay, that says, that's going to be step four. 
Okay, so now the so the lahamid abriyakula right to stand everything up to align everything properly that ha'amada is um, really itself he's about to tell us comprise so that, that that's that's test by the way that was test. Um now osiyud is that that itself that first stage is itself comprised of three parts and then the fourth stage is a single part which is three stages are Karbonus Suki de Zimra Kriishma with his blessings that's all lining everything up fixing everything you know making sure all the pipes are intact and not cracked or whatever right and then the tefillah itself that's the fourth part that's where we actually engage um, with Hashem directly in bringing down blessing and shefa into this world. Okay? So, now he's going to discuss now, I'd like to focus on these concepts of Karbonus, Zumra, Krishma. Before we do, um, I want to do a, a drop of foreshadowing because I think it's going to be really helpful for us to understand what we're going to be talking about, which is that in Os Yud Gimel, coming up for us, uh, the Ramchal describes that there are four worlds. Um, we've probably discussed them in the past, but we'll do it again quickly. What the four worlds are, what is in these four worlds, and that's going to be important because basically what we're looking to do is we're looking to set up our piping system, right? From down on the bottom all the way to the top so that we can facilitate Hashem sending blessing and goodness into this world. All the way up on top. Okay? So the four worlds are Asiya, the world of action that's down here. The world of Asiya is populated by physical beings. Yeah? World above that is the world of Yitzira. That is that world is populated by angels. World above that formation. It's we're talking about the, the reason why they're called what they're called is it has to do with the process of creation, right? Maybe we'll, we'll do it. We'll just say the names and, and you'll understand how the process of creation hap- has to do with it. So lowest one is Asiya, one above is Yitzira, one above is Bria, and the one above that is Atsilus. Now Atsilus is called Kokos on the Dollar. Kokos, yeah, Kokos on the Dollar. Another term for it is spheros. Not the spheros akadoshim. Spheros means spiritual powers. The world of Atsilus is only termed the world as a borrowed term. It's really Hanhagas of Hashem. It's, 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 it's Hashem and what He does. Interactions with Him, His behavior, etc. Whatever that means. 
Okay? So, World of Atsilus is the creator himself. Has to do with him. Yeah? Um, then, from that goes Bria Yitzira We see all three of those terms used in the creation of man. In Parshas Voracious. Yeah? Hashem. Bara. Right? Bara is to create. That means ex nihilo. Something from nothing. Creation, bara, means creation of something from nothing. Once you have something from nothing, that something is a... Um, has is a imagine it like an amorphous blob, right? It's a, what the Ramban would call Homer primordial matter. Okay, then that needs to be molded. That's Yitzira, formation, the world of formation. You have this primordial matter that's going to be formed into whatever it's going to be. So now angels now have form, right? The cocos and the dawn don't have form. Per se, um, angels already have form. That's why they that's why they populate the world gets here. And then Isaiah is actually giving that form physicality, concreteness, giving it weight, giving it properties, etc. Um, that's the last stage in the creation of something. So again, creation, formation, and making. Okay, those are both. All three terms are used in relation to. Man in Mycebaceous because all th- it went through all three stages. Never sure of the Shama, right? So the Shama is going to be correspond to the world of Bria. Ruach is going to correspond to the world of Yitzira, and Nefesh is going to correspond to the world of Asira. Okay, that's in a nutshell. Why was this all important? Because we're going to be talking about engaging with each one of these worlds in a meaningful way to work our way up to standing in front of the king and speaking that that's going to be up in Atsilus. Okay? So, guess which world we're going to be engaging with first? Very good. Right? Down here, from the bottom up. Good. So that's Kerbalus. Okay. Uh, what, now, <clears throat> in what way do carbonos help us to align and prepare things to receive that blessing ultimately? Well, what's that? Yeah, but how does carbonos do that? So, that's true. It doesn't tell you how. You're right. Carbon is a world closeness, establishing closeness. So how does it do that? So if you think about it, um, the world of Isia, we spoke about it actually a little bit in, in Kriyashma, we spoke about the recognition of the oneness of Hashem, the recognition of the kingship of Hashem, and the recognition that all the other possible powers and, and um, forces of evil and things that might want to claim dominion over this world, a rejection of those. Yeah? So, first in this world, there's temptations, there's um, seduction, there's uh, lust, right? Um, animals represent the physicality of this world, the animalistic nature of this world, or right, I'd like to eat this animal, <laughs> it's very yummy, right? All those types of things, right? Or not necessarily an animal, 
could be a, um, a wheat offering, right? A, a flour offering, a mincha, right? Oil, tasty bread, right? A wine offering, wine libation. Wine is a nice thing. I'd like to drink that, right? So all these things are things that have the potential to distract a person from Avodah Hashem. That's what the world of Asiya does. The world of Asiya is very, you know, fireworks and distractions and everything, right? They try to pull us away and engage with things other than Avodah Hashem. So we want to take the, that delicious steak, we take that yummy, freshly baked bread, we want to take that delicious wine, we we'll put it on the altar of Hashem, we want to say, this is all for you, Hashem. Everything in this world, I'm not here to abuse it, I'm not here to to be selfish about it, I want to use it all to bring honor to you. And, and I mean, Bikurim, Bikurim is, 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 a, is, a type of a, is a type of an offering, one of the many. What? It is an offering as well. Sure. This is very general right now. Yeah, we just there's there be many many details to everything. Right? Carbons in general. Right? You need to the coin. In this in this in this context. Right. Right. Um, it's a bit different. There's many other you know, details, but but in the general way, everything. So so the, so the physical. So I'm taking the physical world and I'm making the physical world into a vessel, a receptacle of Avodas Hashem instead of being a distraction, etc. In fact, there's also some of the kavanos that we do smicha on the carbon. We lean our hands on the carbon. The Ramban explains that we. Are supposed to have the intention of saying that really this should be me, uh, this animal that could be slaughtered and brought up, like what was the case with Yitzchak, right? Kedis Yitzchak is really meant to be him, but then as a replacement for Yitzchak was the was the, was the, was the was the ram, right? Does a bracha accomplish the same thing? Bracha? What do you mean by bracha? Bracha on the food versus offering it to Hashem. Seems like it, it seems like obviously carbon is like accomplishing potentially more because they're, they're not really getting any physical from it. I hear. Yeah, I hear. Bracha would have uh, some of those features, in it. Yeah. but um, so what we want to do is we want to read carbonos, right? Read carbonos in the morning, and by doing that, what we're saying is, you know that money that is distracting me, you know that food is distracting me, you know that those things that are interesting me, right? All those things, instead of distracting me, they're meant to be used for avodasushan. And that fixes up this world. That fixes up this this lower world of Asiya down here. Okay, so I guess we will pick up next week with Psuki the Zimra corresponding to Yitzira and Kriyashma with his blessings corresponding to Bria. The purpose of Carbonus is to be able to fix the physical world by giving it over to Hashem. 
that is like I was saying, you're not getting you're not, the person's not getting anything from that outside of you know, they're, they're not getting anything physical from that. You're giving it 100% over to Hashem essentially. So, but if it's accomplishing the same thing, a person at least has the ability to be able to get something out of that as well. In a way. So, Chazal do say if you want to bring, if you want to bring uh, a uh, a carbon bring meat to the table of a Tam Chacham. If you want to bring a wine libation, bring wine to the table of a Tam Chacham. Because since he is totally dedicated to Avodos Hashem, so it's like you're giving it to Hashem. Meaning like the person doesn't eat at all because you're giving it over to the Tam Chacham. You could be Zoha to eat at the table of Tam Chacham. That's Mamash, uh, that's last week's Parsha. Says that uh, says that Yisro brought a carbon, right? And they all ate lifnei alokim in the presence of God. The presence of God. What is the presence of God? So I'll say, well, Moshe Rabbeinu was there. So you're eating with you're eating with a Talmud Chacham. You're eating in the presence of God. So, so like a real bracha is made by a Talmud Chacham. That's that's actually really giving over to Hashem. And the eating itself. And the eating itself. His mouth, his mouth, like is, a, is like a mezbeah. We should have a fighting one. 